Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. We're endeavoring to get in touch with Hugh Douglas. Uh, it's one of those things where the call goes to voicemail. So when we get him, we will put him on. But uh, in the meanwhile, we'll talk to Jack in Roxborough. Hey, Jack, how are you? Good morning, guys. Everything's fantastic here. Good. Uh, I just, I'm totally stunned and amazed. I'm watching. I'm walking on uh, clouds over here with my birds. And the whole off season, the draft. I'm reading about all these moves we're making, and and everybody's saying, "Wow, the Eagles are really putting something together." Last night, I got to see it. I saw my quarterback, my offense go out there, opening drive prepared, adrenalized, six for six, 80 yards, touchdown. It's like, I, I just, I loved it. I saw my defense out there running a 5-2 a and a 4-3, and we got linebackers flying to the ball and stuff. Everything seems like it's going exactly the way it's supposed to. We lose Kelsey. Huge, huge, except we got Cam in there. And he's sitting there, and he's barking out the the, the – the protection lines and everything, and then going out there, getting to the second tier, knocking guys down, and then jumping on top of them so they're not going anywhere. It just seems like for the first time in a couple years, they're just they're prepared. There's depth. There's talent. I just I can't wait till the season starts. I I, I just want to do away with preseason. Let's go play some ball. I support you fully in doing away with the preseason, Jack. <laughs> that would be that would be fine with me. Um, and you know, it's interesting because having been around the team for you know three or four practices so far in camp, you do get the sense that they know they're pretty good. Um, and one of the things that's been kind of um, reassuring about the team is the way that the veterans on it have spoken about their potential to be good. You hear guys like Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey say all the right things about, hey, look, it doesn't mean anything now. It, look, it looks like we're shaping up to be pretty good. We're, we're excited about the depth and the young guys, but let's not put the cart before the horse. Um, and that's what you want to hear at this stage of the season. Well, I think it's huge having Graham back. I Just as the leader aspect, never mind the talent and the experience, just as a leader, getting him over there, uh, I just—I lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. You—you you made some good points. Absolutely agree with you. And yeah, it's nice having Brandon Graham back. For, it is. You know, 
maybe his last season? Uh, he he says he wants to play beyond this season. Okay. Um, we'll see. And I think they'll keep him around as long as it's possible to keep him around. Yeah. Well, guys like him and Kelsey are the guys who are, who are you know, ties to – to that Super Bowl, and you love it because when you are the Eagles, when you are a sports franchise, you want to keep ties to that. By the way, it is time for This Week in Philadelphia Sports History, brought to you by Scheib Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or scheibsports.com. Hey, let's hear a great highlight from one of my favorite Eagles. King drops the throw. And his hit just as he let the ball go, or did he let it go? This might be the Eagles' ball. I think it is. I'll tell you, Hugh Douglas came from that backside and really unloaded on Sean King. You know, Hugh Douglas, if I were you, I would have John Madden talking about my greatness as my, like, cell phone ring for the rest of my life. (laughs) Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Philadelphia. What's going on, How are you? Hugh, uh, I'm here with Mike Sealski, and let me just start with congratulations. When I heard Jeff Lurie at halftime saying that Trent Cole and Hugh Douglas are going into the Eagles Hall of Fame, I thought, what great news for my old friend. When and how did you find out, Hugh, that you're going to be honored? You know, it's funny. Uh, Jeff Lurie called me like a week ago, and he stressed that, you know, he wanted to keep it under wraps. So I didn't say anything because the last time I heard something like this, I prematurely said something about it, and I kind of blew the celebration for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to make sure I didn't say anything. So I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything to anybody. I told my boss. I told my boss, Mike Conti, here Uh that, that, that that was going on, and that was about the only person that I told because I didn't want it to leak. Because I knew, you know how when you get a phone call and you just know they really want to keep this under wraps? Sure. Mm. I didn't want to be that guy. Because I had been that guy before. I didn't want to be that guy this time. Well, you've always been a chatterbox. It's one of the th- it's actually one of the fun <laughs> things about you. Basically, that's why that's why I don't get invited to golf tournaments, golf outings, anything like that. I talk too much. So I, I made sure <laughs> this time I didn't say anything. Hugh, I think people here remember you first and foremost as a terrific pass rusher and, and before i get into this congratulations um but i'm looking at your numbers from your career with the eagles and one of the things that jumps right out to me is that in the 2000 season you had 15 sacks but you also led the nfl in tackles for a loss with 21 and then two years later in 2002 you had 12 and a half sacks but again led the nfl in tackles for a loss with 20 how important was it to you to be able to play every aspect of your position did that really matter to you no it didn't to be totally honest you know what it started to matter and, and i tell this story all the time jeremiah trotter was the guy who who really got me to like to like hone in and, and play the run better because i remember being in the huddle one time and, and tried telling me yo man uh, you know, you got to play the run better. And I was like, I said, F you, Trot, that's your job. <laughs> I was like, that's your job. I said, my job is to get sacks. I said, that's what I'm here to do. And Trot, I remember, we were, I forgot who we were playing. He'll probably remember. But he said, listen, man, I need you to play the run. He said, how about this? He said, if, if I tell you when it's a run play, he said, when it's definite pass, I'll let you go. He said, but come on, man, because you, 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 you break it down in integrity and defense. And he was right. He was right. I was playing as an individual. And so when he told me that, I said, okay, bet. So then that's when we were all on the same page. You know, trot back there. You know, he could see what everything was going on. 
And he would tell me, man, and it just made it easier to play because you kind of knew. He watched so much film that he knew, you know, formations and everything. So he was the guy that really, really got me to lock in and, and play a lot better those years that I was playing. Hugh Douglas is our guest. Hugh and Trent Cole are going to be uh, put into the Eagles Hall of Fame. Uh, it was November 27th, I believe yes. it is. Um, Hugh, I want to talk about the first time I ever saw you play, which is when you were with the Jets. Jody McDonald and I arranged a bus trip to go up to watch the Eagles play the Jets on a rainy, miserable Saturday. And what I remember, but I think it was your second season, 96, and uh-huh. you went up against Jermaine Mayberry, Mayberry, excuse me, who was the Eagles' first round draft pick the year before. You had three sacks that game. You recovered a fumble. Eagles won late, but we're all watching you dominate that game. Uh, I don't know what question to ask you out of that, except what you remember and what it was like to play on those Jets team. Because man, they lost a lot of games. They lost a lot of games, but I remember that game in particular because that was the game where Ty Detmer was the quarterback in. And you needed that. I remember that because the Eagles needed that game to make it to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They were they were uh, they were on a they were on a little bit of a slide. And I remember we were having a rough season. I think we were well, my second year. We were like one in we we went like one in fifteen. So we had yeah. only won one game. I think that was it. So I remember Ty Detmer saying something to the effect that if we lose to the Eagles, we got to be stupid or something like that. Because basically saying we were sorry. We were sorry. If you lose to the Jets, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, if you lose to the Jets, we were sorry. No question about that. But I, that stuck in my head. And I remember a reporter asking me about that game and, and how did I feel. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power to try to hurt him. Not knowing that NFL was listening. <laughs> <laughs> if you do anything to tie Debbie, you're going to get fined, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, I was, I was really trying – I was on a mission to try to spoil – the Eagles playoffs hopes that year. That that's what I was on. That's what I was trying to do within the realm of the game. Yeah, you got close. That's what I remember you about close. that. Hugh, early in your career, Glenn Glenn mentioned it. You you lost you were on teams that lost a lot. Your rookie year with the Jets, the team goes three and thirteen. Second year they go one and fifteen. Then Parcells comes in, you have a winning season, nine and seven. And then you end up getting traded to the Eagles and your first season with the Eagles is Ray Rhodes last year as head coach. And that team goes three and thirteen. So f- through the first four years of your career, the teams you're on win sixteen games and lose fifty-two. How did you deal with that? How did you get through that to the point where you could continue playing as well and as hard as you did? You know, the, the first couple of years in New York, it was rough because it was just me. It, it was me up there, and it was just you know the transition from being from a small town going to New York was, was pretty tough. And then coming to the Philadelphia Eagles, that was even tougher because there was high expectations. That was the year. Bobby Hoyne was coming off a pretty good season with John Gruden. I remember that vividly. And and there was high hopes for the Philadelphia Eagles. But I, the thing that I remember about Philadelphia the most, the most is coming through the airport the first time I visited and everybody telling me how that, you got to beat Dallas. <laughs> I just remember that man, and, and I'm I'm walking through the airport. I'm coming from New York. You got to understand, I'm coming from a from a big city where nobody knew who I was for the most part. Like nobody knew who I was. Yeah. So coming to coming to Philadelphia, walking through that airport, and having people knowing who I was, not only knew who I was, but knew where I used to play and how important it was to beat Dallas, and and, and reiterating that to me. That was something that was different, man. That that was a feeling 
that as, as a professional athlete that I cannot describe, and I try to tell people that, and and it's it's like it's hard to put into words, but the passion that the Eagles fans had, even though we were bad, they still came to games, they still yelled and cheered, even though we went three and thirteen, like we had a shot to win. That was that's what it was, man. Because they never gave up. They yeah. they never gave up. They were always with us. Now, the flip side of that is this: when you were bad, you were told you were bad. Oh yeah, like you, Ooh, there yeah. was there was no sugarcoating that. Because I remember a couple times being out in the city that year, and people asked me, "Hey, man, don't you need to be somewhere practicing? You guys stink, like for <laughs> real." Like, and I remember that that that's what it was, man. It was that passion. It was that passion of the fans that. That drove me, you know, because you didn't want to be you didn't want to be that guy that is remembered in Philadelphia for not being that guy. Well, for being that guy that was like, that was hard. Listen, like the like the coin the phrase where, where even the millennials can understand. I don't want to be Ben Simmons, man. I didn't want to be. Ben <laughs> I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be known as a Ben Simmons type dude. You know what I mean? And it's unfortunate that. You know, I mean, you know, Ben Simmons. I, I guess he's a good guy, but not in Philadelphia. Not, not so much. much. Not in not in not Brooklyn so either. So yeah. Hugh, so Hugh, uh, and then things change, and then things get great, and the defense has guys like you and Trot and Hollis and uh, Troy Vincent and Bob Taylor and Brian Dawkins, and the guy running the, the whole thing on defense is Jim Johnson. What what impact did he have on you? What was he like to play for? You know what, Jim Johnson was a guy too, man. Jim, Jim, I, what I remember about Jim was that Jim's ability to put his players in, success, in position to be successful. That's what I remember. Jim, Jim, Jim had a defense that he liked to run, but he also understood that you know everybody was an like everybody had their own way of, of learning things, and everybody had their own way of doing things. And I so much so that I remember one time. Uh, Jim Johnson was installing his defense. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I kept screwing the defense up because I, I kept coming underneath the tackle and going inside. I was making the play, but that wasn't the way that Jim Johnson designed the defense. And I remember, I remember being at a meeting one day, and he said, okay, off of this defense, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do something different. We're going to call it the wing stunt. We're going to call it, you know, we're going to call it the wing stunt. He didn't say it was because I kept going underneath the tackle. He just said, you know, we, we found like we've had a little bit of success running this place, so we're going to start running the wing stunt. And I remember um, Brandon, Brandon Whiting said, yeah, because you keep screwing up the defense, he's not running it right, so we had to change it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. It works. So it, that was one of the things I remember. Jim, Jim was a hell of a man, though. He really, really was. Hugh, looking back, um, what do you make now in retrospect of your decision to sign with Jacksonville um, before the 2003 season? Oh, man, listen. Uh, it was one of those decisions. It was, it was um, driven by money. No question about that. And, and you know what? To be honest, it's hard to say. You know, I know how I would like it to play out, how I would have liked it to play out. But, you know, I'm still a young kid at the time, just had a son. That was a financial decision for me that I made for me and my family. I can't honestly, as, as bad as it went down there, I can't honestly say that I probably wouldn't have done the same thing under the circumstance. Mm-hmm. I, I really can't. I mean, that, that's just being totally honest because of the timing of everything. Now, like looking back at it now, 
does money mean as much to me as it did back then? Probably not as much, but back then it, it really, really did. It was it was a serious motivator for the decision that I made. But when you talk about what the city of Philadelphia has given me, you know, when I retired, I lived there for ten years, and and just the the the, the passion of the fans, you know, I love I love it there. I love it there. But but to make that financial decision, I, I don't know, man. I probably still make it. I probably feel I, like that. I, hey, listen, I, I appreciate that. Somebody hands me that money. I'm, I'm taking it. Uh, let me wrap up with this because you're now doing radio down in Atlanta. Very successful. Uh, and you, you, you broke in here. Um, you work with Angelo in the mornings. You did. I was telling people, I loved doing the pregame shows with you. I, it always, it always was great. And, um, your shows with Rob Cherry, man, you guys had such great chemistry. I mean, I don't know what my question is, but it, I loved you as a radio personality here, and I know you've stayed in the media, and and um, you're really good at. Man, it. Listen, do you know? Do you know what I remember about my my friend Angry Bob Cherry? Like that was you talk about the absolute best radio partner to have because me and Rob would do shows at, at Phillies games, and Rob would show up and say, "Hey, man, what you want to talk about?" Like five minutes before the show started. <laughs> And we would do, and you know, like, you know, like, since I learned my radio jargon now, you know, back then we didn't have, like, on the weekend, we didn't have long breaks. Yep. And we we were doing five-hour shows. Yes, you were. Like, so so can you imagine, so Glenn, you can appreciate this, probably not anybody else can, but to do a five-hour show and not have a template or a game plan for wow. five hours and still be entertaining. Yeah, Rob could do that. that you was, could do that. Like, that. That was that was Rob Cherry in a nutshell. Yep. To do a five-hour show and not even have a show sheet like here, you know, it's the, you know now you get show sheets, you do show plan, show prep, and all that stuff. No, me and Rob Cherry used to do shows. Like, hey man, what you got? Let's okay, let's go. Well, you <laughs> worked with Angelo, and An- Angelo's the flip side of that, right? Yes. Figures and, and, out every listen, segment. Man, listen, like to to, and that's what I tell people all the time, man. I'm like, I cut my teeth in radio in probably the best city in the world. And and it's it's one of those things where I, I don't take it lightly and and the things that I've learned being in Philadelphia, being on the air, I mean man, those are those don't, some of those lessons are something that I take with me even today. Like, you know, to work with Rob Cherry and just being able to be off the cuff like that, that was that's huge. And to be Angelo knowing that he gets up extra early in the morning and have Every bit of his day plotted out so that he knows exactly where he wants to go. And not only that, Glenn, you know he he's a stickler for that time now. Oh, you know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know he's a stickler for that time. So, yeah, I mean, man, just just it's, it's everything, everything about Philadelphia, man. And that's why when I got the news, I was just like, wow, that's, All right. that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. I got one more story to tell, and I've never told this story. I don't even know if you remember this, but I, I, you, uh, you and I always had a pretty good relationship. There was one time where Hugh and I had an argument, right? Ooh. Yes, and we were, we were in the auxiliary studio, and Hugh was done with the argument, so he got up to leave. And I, like an idiot, was not done with the argument, <laughs> and so I stood up, and I was between Hugh Douglas and the door. And Hugh, I don't even know if you remember this. Oh, my God. And Hugh, Hugh who could throw an offensive tackle 20 yards, looked at me and said, Glenn, get out of my way. <laughs> and I want to thank you, Hugh, for not throwing me for, for through taking the wall pity on you. Yes. when the opportunity was there. 
No, Glenn, you know what, man? It, it, it's one of those things where I, 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 I respected you, and I still respect you. And it was never as, as upset as you probably were at me. I was not that upset with you. Well, I appreciate because that. There's been, there's been, listen, I still get cussed out by Rhea Hughes. Rhea Hughes, <laughs> like, ask for the story. The last time I was there, we're not going to get into detail, but Rhea Hughes, Gave me a few choice words. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, like, and Angelo has definitely cussed me out. Oh time. yeah, oh, all of us. No, but it's it's one of those things where it's like you receive it because you're learning from 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 radio icons, and every and I knew that where you were coming from, it wasn't from a place of hatred or anything like that. So it was not a big deal. It was it was more for me a learning experience, just like it is with Rhea. If Rhea if Rhea calls me. And the first words that she used are colorful cuss words. <laughs> somewhere I screwed up. That's how Rhea is. Wow. Well, somewhere, somewhere I screwed up. You, you are not. You, you rarely screwed up on the radio. You almost never screwed up on the field. Uh, you are an icon uh, in this town, and having you, congratulations on the Hall of Fame. And I look forward to seeing you because they will bring you to the pregame show on November twenty seventh, and we get to do it one more time, man. Yes, we do. Indeed. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you. All right. Congratulations. You. We'll talk Thanks to you again. You. I love that guy. You know, I'm He's just so good. I'm very appreciative of this opportunity that you've given me to be your partner, and I'm very appreciative that Hugh did not grind you into a fine powder oh, long gosh. ago was, so that we could do this show together. I don't know what I was thinking. I, you know, again, it's like it's right. You, you and I are new. We have not had an argument yet. We will. Uh, and one of the I, things about this business, I don't argue with anybody, is. People will speak candidly to each other, sure. right, with colorful words. And I, it's like he's getting up to leave the room, and I'm standing up. And, like, uh, I, you know, he, he very nicely said, Glenn, <laughs> you don't want to be in my way. And he was, he was correct. He could have bull rushed you but right he, out of the he studio. He was a great player, and he was a great, he was a great presence in the, in the locker room. He, he really was. was the guy who kept everybody loose. He was a good leader. He was tough. He was, he was all that. That defense was something else. Uh, I mean, you I list the it. names talking with him. Yeah. You know, Hugh Douglas, Brian Dawkins, Troy Vincent, Bobby Taylor, Jeremiah Trotter. Yep. You know, other guys who cycled in and out who were solid players. Just, you know, it was a heck of a time to cover that And team. Jim Johnson coaching him. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's get Bob and Bethany Beach before the break. Hello, Bob. Hello, fellas. Hi, Bob. Hey, good to good to hear from you on a Saturday. Um, my my, I guess my overall comment about last night is I thought it was a wonderful start to the season. And I'll, I will say this, which is kind of my negative part of it. The fact that folks point out like one play for Jalen Hurts and, and then get uh, kind of not depressed, but a little paranoia about it just drives me crazy. <laughs> Well, Mike, uh, I think he's I'm not sure who's I think talking Bob to is there. talking about Bob me. Might be. Yeah, go ahead. Look, Bob, I, I don't want to make more of it than it is. I don't want to suggest that Jalen Hurts is a terrible quarterback or, you know, the Eagles are, are lost and they're going to have a disappointing season or anything like that. I, I do feel, though, and, and you can feel it in this show, people are very optimistic and very excited about this season. And. If we're going to hold the Eagles to that standard, that they are going to compete for the NFC East championship and could potentially make a deep playoff run, then you're going to have to get top-level play out of Jalen Hurts. 
and I just would have liked to have seen a different result on that play. So, by the way, I just want to say one more time that Hugh Douglas's uh, appearance was our uh, segment this week in Philadelphia Sports History, brought to you by Scheib Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or ScheibSports.com. What I originally was going to do before we reached Hugh was, uh, actually, maybe I'll do this tomorrow, uh, but I'll just say that today is the anniversary of the night that they signed Mike Vick. Yes. And, like, nobody saw it coming. I I remember exactly where I was. I was having dinner with my wife in Kennett Square, and my phone started buzzing, and I looked at it, and I said out loud, oh, my God. And she's like, what's what's the matter? (laughs) This can't be true. The the Eagles just signed Michael Vick. 215-592-9494. We got a couple of people on hold want to talk about the Phillies. Don't go anywhere, because I want to talk with you about the Phillies. Coming up before that is what we're watching. Ooh, Mike watched a big-time documentary. We'll get the details on that. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast listen to every mlb game live the deep left center field it is high it is far it is gone stream minor league affiliates the midwest league home run leader Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right. Carrying a briefcase which held explosives. He asks for $200,000 and four parachutes. Once his demands have been met. Jumps out of a damn jet in the middle of the night. I mean, there's just something kind of badass about that. When he got on a plane last night, he was just another passenger. But today, master criminal. 
All right, we got Walter Cronkite in there and everything. It's time for What We're Watching, sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Window's big summer sales event. Receive 40% off of windows and doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at goguida.com. Well, what you just heard was a little sounder for a Netflix documentary, D.B. Cooper, Where Are You? And Mike, you checked that out this week. I did. It's a four-part documentary, as you said, on Netflix. Um, I thought it was terrific. Uh, it it delves into both the case of D.B. Cooper itself, and for those who aren't familiar, 50 years ago, 1971, uh, a gentleman in sunglasses and a three-piece suit uh, boards an airplane in the Pacific Northwest and hijacks it, asks for $200,000, and then jumps out of the plane uh, after the entire crew and, and all the passengers have been deboarded, not the crew, but the passengers, um, and disappears. And no one knows what happened to him. Did he die? Did he survive? What the heck happened? And it's been this mystery for a half century, and the documentary gets into that it gets into the people who have devoted their lives to trying to solve it um and it is as i said terrific i'm a sucker for these kinds of things Mm -hmm. for zodiac and true crime and all of that crime yeah yeah and it it had me from the word go so do they so you you talked about the case of this guy gets to the plane and jumps out with all the money and um Becomes a folk hero. Yes. Right? And there are, I remember, I remember you see t shirts like, Where is D.B. Cooper? and so on. It, it becomes a, a big part of um, pop culture in a way. It does. There's a famous scene in Breaking Bad, for instance, where um, Saul Goodman uh, asks uh, Walter White, you know, Walter White is dressed, you know, in a hat and dark sunglasses. Oh, I guess we can say the D.B. Cooper case is solved. <laughs> and it, it comes up over and over again. Yeah. And, and again, there are, it's not just that there are investigative journalists and former FBI members who have devoted themselves to trying to solve this case, it is a kind of a cult point of interest in the Pacific Northwest. There are D.B. Cooper conventions and there's a Cooper Con and there's all this kind of, you know, oddball, nerdy kind of stuff wrapped up around who is D.B. Cooper. And the interesting part of the documentary to me was how much time they spend on some of these investigators and how it gets into the idea of... Um, people kind of reaffirming what they already think, right? There's a there's one investigator who's literally devoted his entire life to this, mm-hmm. and he thinks he knows who D.B. Cooper is, and so he kind of shuts out every other piece of evidence okay. that suggests yeah. otherwise. Yeah. And it's a neat look at like how you can get caught up in thinking you're right and you know disregarding the things that could show you you are wrong. So. I'm sure they offered all these various hypotheses as to what happened, where he is, if he's alive. It's 50 years later. Good chance he's not alive. Right. Uh, from what you watched, what's your best guess? There's one suspect uh, that they focus on in particular uh, that seems to be the, kind of the consensus of who Cooper was. But nobody really knows that, you know, just when you think, and that's what's cool about the series, is that just when you think, oh, it's got to be this guy, the director... Uh, introduces other interviewees and other information that make it go, oh, wait a minute, it must not be that guy. And that's what's intriguing about the whole thing. So I give it three and a half stars out of four. Um, It's got a cool catch-me-if-you-can kind of vibe to it. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, in the way it depicts what America was like back then, which is totally foreign to a lot of people who are younger, who were not around back then. The idea of like walking into an airport and just 
Buying yes. a ticket for forty dollars yes. and going wherever you wanted to yes. go. Yes, but the, with no security. Right, no security, and there you would get drinks on the plane, and everybody could smoke on planes yeah, and all other, these things. God, life was good. Other you than know, the smoking, all that is really appealing to me, because <laughs> just because flying so awful. Well, and the other thing too is that there were so many plane hijackings back in the early nineteen seventies. It's almost like we've collectively forgotten about yeah, this. Cuba. And yeah, exactly. And so all of that wrapped up, it, it just makes for a really cool viewing experience. All right. So the name of it is D B Cooper, where are you? Netflix, you said four parts. Uh how do you rate it? As I said, three and a half stars out of four. Three and a half out of four. Like it. Okay, let's go to Cheryl in Haddonfield. You're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey Cheryl. Cheryl. Yes. Hi. Hey. Hi, I'm Cheryl. a little nervous because I'm a first-time caller, even though I've been a long-time listener. Yeah, you're talking so, to two you. guys on the phone. That's no big deal. I like that. Thank you. So we're still talking about the Phillies game last night, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So um, I love that it's when it's on Apple TV. Um, I've been a, a Phillies fan forever. Not a big fan of the commentators um, because they don't favor the Phillies. And I love when John Crook's on, on, you know, doing... You know, doing his uh, yeah. We like part. our we like our guys. We like our guys. Sure. And I do. I think the picture's better. However, what I love about having it on Apple TV, um, my boyfriend slash fiance is in London, and he can get Apple TV ah. when he's there and not here with me. So he's not a big sports fan, but because I'm such a big Sixers fan, and Phillies are my favorite team, and you know, I, I'm such a big sports fan. He has humored me and started to follow sports. So, so um, Cheryl, what's your what's your fiance's name? His name is Nigel Bennett. And where is he? He's in London right now. When's the last time you spoke to him? Uh, when I was doing my errands, driving around about a half hour ago. Oh well, no, a little bit longer than that. All right, because there's interesting things, sir. What's your name, sir? Nigel. Oh my God! <laughs> I can't do that. Hi. Oh my Hi. God! Hi. How are you, honey? Hello, my. My beautiful fiance, I love you, and so I've sweet. never known anyone as knowledgeable about baseball as you. You've taught me everything, and it's fantastic. And I'll be over next week, and I really want to go to a game. I've never been to one. Thank you. Well, thanks for saying that. Well, uh, this is, we don't have this happen too often, just just to catch people up. Cheryl called. Nigel, I don't know how you knew she was going to call, but uh, you called in right around the same time. Uh, how how long you guys been engaged? Give us, you know, how'd you meet Cheryl? What's the story of this relationship? Oh, gosh, it's a we, long story, so I'll cut it short because on the radio. Yeah. Um, I met him when I was 15 at a show, and he was 10 years older than I was. He was a guitar player. He is a guitar player. Wow. A guitar wow. player. Lost, lost touch with him for years, and then about uh, 10 years ago, we reconnected on Facebook, and he was married. I was married. Now we're both divorced. And we've been dating since about 2017. And the rest is history. We try to see each other as often as we can. And I love him. So, Nigel, you want to add anything? This is not Nigel Tufnell from Spinal Tap, right? (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. No, I'm Nigel Bennett. I've been a professional guitarist for a long time, but... I love Nigel Tufnell on Spinal Tap, but yeah. I am not him. I'm not him. <laughs> By the way, you you've got the best voice that we've heard in a long time. You sound Nigel. You sound like a character from Love Actually. Uh, honestly, oh, that's, that's so funny. I've got a good face for radio. <laughs> well, we all do. And you're coming back next week, and you guys are going to go to a game together. I hope, oh, I hope so. so. I hope so. I'm coming in on Wednesday, and I'm there for three weeks. 
Well, they're they're here know. next weekend against the Mets. Would you do us a favor? We we yeah. love you guys, by the way. Um, oh, thanks. And this has really been fun. After you go to the game, could you both give us a call, either Please, together yes. or or apart? Because Nigel, you've never been to a ball game. No, and I've, I've seen loads on TV, on Apple TV here as well, like Cheryl said, but I've never been to a live game, and I really want to. Oh, they're more fun. Any, they're more fun live. Any tickets by any chance? Uh, you know what, <laughs> Cheryl, do me a favor. Do me a yeah. favor. Yeah. I'm gonna. Well, our producer Moshe is going to get your number, and we'll see if we can work something out. I love oh, you guys. Wonderful. Right. Can I can I add one quick thing? Quickly, really quick. Yeah, sure. I know you guys have other callers, so. Um, when he's in London and the Sixers are on, I, we FaceTime each other, and he loves James Harden. Nigel loves James Harden. So mm-hmm. I turn the, my computer around, and we watch the Sixers games together. And, you know, I'm not as knowledgeable about the Sixers, but at least we get to bond over that. That's great. Over wow. that. I, you know what? This is, I love your relationship. Uh, it's oh. a great story, and it's really nice to talk to you both. And um, we'll talk to you guys again, okay? Absolutely. Thank Have a great day, guys. So Thank you. All right, Nigel. Thank you, be guys. well. There and, you go. You. A Philadelphia, an international Philadelphia sports love story. Pretty right? amazing. Oh, that's great. Pretty amazing. <laughs> He's got the best voice. Oh, right? he, he sounds like an You're actor. You're right. He does. He sounds like an actor. Yeah, he does. 215-592-9494. That was a lot of fun. Uh, with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow. So you looked up Nigel Bennett, eh? He's a uh, very accomplished guitarist. Tours, does albums, um, quotes of endorsement from Adam Clayton of U2. He's wow. a real deal. Our new friend. We'll have him on. I didn't know anybody would get the Nigel Tufnell uh, reference, but he did, and I guess you did. And... We cranked that interview up to 11, man. Yeah, that's it. It was a great, great movie. Uh, Glenn and Hatboro is with us. Glenn, it was a great win by those Phils last night, wasn't it? Absolutely, Glenn. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Mike, welcome aboard. Thank you, Glenn. Great job. Thanks. I appreciate that. You made a good decision picking Mike. Thank you. Really filling in nicely. Why, the game was unbelievably exciting. It was like it was back in 2009 and 2008. We as a family were sitting on the edge of our seats the entire game because the Phillies were getting hits. So it wasn't like, even though they didn't score a lot of runs, there was some excitement each inning. You, you had a chance to do something. But the, to me, the most exciting play in baseball is the sacrifice fly because it's all set up. It's a high fly ball. You're waiting for the catch. The runner's at third base, and the gun goes off, and here comes a race to home. And the fact that it went the Phillies' way on two of them in the same inning almost was unbelievable. And again, the, the win to win that game was like they won the World Series. Well, they're not there yet, but <laughs> I, I get your excitement. But I have it I was Scherzer. I mean, the thing is, it's Scherzer, right? Yeah, that, that he beat Alcantara and Scherzer in the same week. Th- that's that. That to me is the standout aspect of last night. Is that you go up against, you know, a multiple time Cy Young Award winner, probably pound for pound the best starting pitcher in the National League. And you're going at him with Ranger Suarez. And in the long term, you know, i.e. the rest of the season, look at what Ranger Suarez has done over his last five starts. He is an ERA under one and a half. He is 28 in the third innings, I think. 25 strikeouts, six walks. Batters are hitting 206 against him. 
that's really encouraging. You know, the idea of the Phillies having somebody other than Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola who can keep them in a game or even, you know, pitch them to a victory uh, is so vital in a pennant race. You bet. Glenn, thank you. Yes. Thank you, buddy. Enjoy. Yep. So he had that really good year last year. Yeah. None of us really, I think, bought into it that, I mean, his numbers last year were similar to what you're saying now. Yes. Right? And I think we all thought, yeah, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say we. I thought, you know what? He comes back this year. He's a fourth starter. That's great. He's he's a lot more than that. Two words for you, Glenn. Yeah. Crafty Crafty lefty. lefty. Um, Yes, sir. Look, you know, if you're going to be a team that wins consistently or even wins for one season— to be honest, you need developments like this. Yep. You need a Ranger Suarez to kind of come out of nowhere the year before and develop into a mainstay in the team. On the so team. the team that has had no farm system for the last 10 years, if suddenly Alec Baum looks like a player, you got Bryson Stott coming along, you got Suarez, Sir Anthony Back from the injury, looking really good. Mm-hmm. I'm probably am I leaving anybody out? Uh, good young players on this team that came through the system. Um, looking to see. I mean, do you count? You don't count Zach Eflin, I guess, because he started no, somewhere no, else. No, no, okay, no. Um, just taking a quick inventory here. Okay. Uh, no, Still, I think that's that's about it. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a lot better than they've done in the, in the few years before that. Are we going to be holding parades for Matt Klintak? Uh, uh No. Uh, but we are going to be talking to our uh, friend from Cooper Bone and Joint, as we always do at this time, Dr. David Gelft is with us. Doc, how are you on this beautiful summer day? Pretty good. Tell your dad a uh, happy birthday, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. That's so nice of you. Thank you so much. Um, so we actually have a few injuries to talk with you about. Uh, Mike, you want the baseball or the football one? Take your choice. Let's do football first. All right. Uh, Dr. Jason Kelsey's elbow. Um mm-hmm. I've heard from a lot of Eagles fans over the last couple of days because I had written a column recently about Jason during the summertime. Um, you know, why was this done now? How serious is it really? You know, there have been examples in recent NFL history of players coming back relatively quickly. Uh, kind of take us through the idea of getting your elbow cleaned out if you're a pro athlete and exactly what this means and how long, you know, we should expect to wait before we see Kelsey back on the field. Sure. Um, so in his in his uh, aspect, uh, he had some bone spurs, most likely. Sometimes you can have like a little chips or bones, you know, uh, little loose bodies of cartilage in the elbow, and it's uh, really more just soreness and it's arthritis, so to speak. Um, sometimes you have irritation with trying to extend your arm or trying to flex and extend, and if it causes some irritation or even locking or mechanical issues, and sometimes you do have to go in and scope it and just clean that out, meaning you just take out those little pieces or you shave off a little a little bone spur. Um, the good thing is uh, it's more of a minor procedure. Uh, it doesn't take a long time. Once you take it out, then you're feeling much better because you don't have that irritation there of the bone or the cartilage piece. Uh, so usually within you know, four to six weeks, you're, you're moving around pretty good and you don't have any issues and you can get back to playing. Well, four to six weeks is a big is a That's, big number because four yeah. weeks he's back for the season, six weeks right. he's not. Right. And obviously you, you know, you're not in a position to say, but – that's the window that everybody's worried about. Um, let's go to the Phillies. Kyle Schwarber uh, missed the last few games 
with strain in his calf muscle. The good news is yesterday, you're not going to have to put him on, um, it used to be the disabled list, what yeah. the heck they call it now? Whatever. Uh, injured, the injured list? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the IL now. I guess disabled, they didn't want to say anymore. Um, but I, what I read is that calf uh, strains, calf pulls can be very tricky because it's something you can really do again. Tell us about that muscle and what concern we should have. Yeah, so any soft tissue uh, issue, we, you know, we've talked about before, um, depends on the extreme on how bad. There's different ranges, you know, grade one, two, and three. Um, with his standpoint, the fact that he wasn't put on the IL, it's more of a mild issue, um, where sometimes you can just stretch it out a little bit, but no definitive tearing. So you just have to let it settle down, let it calm down, and decrease the inflammation, um, do some rehab, or just keep it stretched out and immobilized. And then as long as you're doing well, you can keep moving forward. Issue with soft tissue problem, if you go back too soon, too quickly, or you overdo it, then you can sometimes take one step forward, two steps back, and then you get this you know, chronic issue. So hopefully, um, the fact that he's not on the IL, it's a good sign, and hopefully he should be back shortly. There you go. And i got Bryson Stott as a leadoff hitter who gets on base every time, so it's going to be there okay until right. he gets there. Doc, it is always a pleasure. You feeling good about your Eagles right now? And the, uh, you know, the first uh, series is really good. Um, I know your partner over there gave an uh, opinion piece uh, <laughs> But blast know, him if you like. Least, I mean, I'm, not, I'll, I'll sit not, back and let you do it. Fire away, Doc. At least we're not. At least we're not Zach Wilson. I don't know. You know, he's already um, yeah. had some problems. I think they found out he had a bone bruise and possibly meniscus. So at least we're not uh, talking about that. There you go. Yeah. And hopefully we will not be anytime soon. Doctor David Geld, always a pleasure. Enjoy your weekend, sir. You too, guys. Have a good uh, one. Thank you, Doctor. Right, be well. I'm getting critique from everywhere. Hey, you, you, you this job? Yeah. Here's the thing. When, you, when you're when you a writer and you're a fine, accomplished writer, columnist, uh, you get feedback on, on Twitter. I know you do because you respond <laughs> to it. I'm going to try to curtail that a little bit just so you don't keep rolling your eyes just, at me. Well, I just leave the show out of it. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> do whatever you want with your other stuff, but leave the show out of your responding to trolls. But, um, you know, you, you basically – the difference here is – They'll call up and tell you. Oh, yeah. They're not calling you at home yet, right? Not, right. I don't have a home number. Yeah, I don't right. have a house phone. Oh, right. That's true. <laughs> Who does? Um, I'm, I'm almost a millennial. <laughs> there you go. Irv, so I was going to get... Um, hold on, Irv. I'll get you a second. So I was going to get rid of my home phone because mm-hmm. it is useless. Yeah. And the only calls that ever come on it are, you know, crank calls, or, mm-hmm. you know, solicitations. Solicitations, right. It's cheaper for me to have a home phone than to not because I have it wrapped into the whole package mm-hmm. of everything. And if I got rid of it, I lose the package and I pay more. So I have a home phone. I've just disconnected them all. <laughs> but I, I, it's like I'm thinking, like, how stupid is that? I yeah. still have to have a home line. Have you given any thought to, you know, cutting the cord and going all? I am absolutely interested in doing that and need to put in the research because mm-hmm. my my bill for all this yeah. is outrageous every month. Mm-hmm. Right? In part because I have, whatever, five TVs and in part because... I get, you know, Netflix and Hulu right. and Apple and you know, I get them all, and, you know, in part because of this job, in part because I sign up for them and never drop them. I haven't cut the cord yet and I will freely Let's admit- Let's do it. Let's do that. Well, no. See, I'm too lazy. I, I just don't want to be bothered with having to set everything up again. <laughs> 
so yeah, that but... I can watch the things I need and want to watch. Yeah, I'm going to let my wife handle all that part of it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm looking into that. My sons have both done it. Okay. And they, again, they come to my house and it's they roll their eyes that yeah. I you know, still haven't. But we'll... This is all eventually going to come around again where everybody's going to cut the cord and it's going to get so expensive that they're going to go back to the grid with everything. Oh, okay, you great. Know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just waiting for that. All right. Irv, thanks for your patience. You're on with Mike and Glenn. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Sure. I love listening to you guys. Thanks. Um, Thanks, Herb. Uh, I was very impressed by Hertz, not as much by his play, which was, you know, a limited sample, but he played well. But how he responded to that outrageous hit, how he just got up, went back to the field and let his linemen support him and his coach support him, showing his, his team what a leader he is, what a tough guy he is. And I think that's really, really important for this team to have somebody like that as their quarterback. I think it's a. I think you're right on, Irv. I think it's one of Jalen's uh, greatest strengths as a quarterback is the way his teammates respond to him, the way he interacts with them, kind of the model that he shows. You know, that's that's something that in the modern NFL seems to have been de-emphasized over time. You know, we we focus so much, and part of this is because of daily betting and fantasy sports and looks at analytics. We focus so much on what throws the quarterback can make. Does he get the ball down the field, the technical aspects of the position, but there is something to be said for being a leader on the field. And that was something go back 20, 30 years was probably the, the number one priority in a team looking for a quarterback. It's kind of been de-emphasized. I think Hertz has it, you know, it, 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 he really has it. Yeah, and you know, you saw uh, Maya Lot. Imagine you're the guy who hit Hertz, and Maya Lot is bearing yeah. down on you <laughs> yes. from across the field. Yeah, it's like a it's like a uh, Sherman tank headed you away, and you have no armor. You know, and to their credit, they didn't do anything physical except show up and let those guys know that that wasn't going to happen to their quarterback. Great point. Without, without payment. Irv, great point, and thanks for the call. And yeah, Milata can just show up, and he's intimidating. Oh, my goodness. But he's such a nice guy off the field. Yeah. I mean, the contrast between who his size and what he can do as a tackle versus yep. his demeanor off the field, and he plays the guitar and is a nice guy, it's, it's remarkable. Sing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he, and he is mean on the field, oh, which is yeah. an attribute on the field. Um, but yeah, he's, he's certainly not off the field. Uh, what was I going to say? I don't remember. All right. Two on five, five, nine, two, 94, 94. Good time to get in. We've kind of cleared out some of the calls. 12 o'clock hour. We will take more. We've had a good time today talking about two teams. You know what? We never said that the Eagles lost last night. Oh, I just did. realized that. It, they it did. like has never come and up. And they blew it in the closing minutes. Yeah, they took a late lead and yeah. allowed them to drive the length of the field. Uh, John Harbaugh would not be happy, no. man. He likes to win those preseason games. Anyway, that none of that means anything. The Eagles, I think, fans have to be really happy with that performance. And the Phillies playing the best they have since 2011. It's really fun to watch. So we'd like to hear from you. 215 592 9494 with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.